The strongest men are those who know their weaknesses. Huh? What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the Marty Time Brews. I'm your host, John Delray. Yeah, slightly different angle today, changing things up ever so little, seeing if we can make some some better tweaks for, for video here at the Marty Time Brews. Uh, today, we are talking over the weaknesses of the Packer roster as I see them right now. Now, the other day, we talked over what are the strengths? What is this team projected to do very well? Well, of course, the other side of the coin is what are they projected to do not very well. And some of these things are things that we've seen now for years. Some of these are not new problems. Be them issues with how they're coached or how Brian Gutekunst finds players. Whatever. We know we can identify these things as weaknesses of the 2023 Green Bay Packers unless something changes between now and when some games are played. One real quick, just logistical announcement for you if you've been here for any stretch of time. You know that a few weeks ago, oh yeah, a few weeks ago, not quite a month yet, I did something at Bleacher Report that then secondary sites took and really blew up and made for a very bad weekend for me. Well, I'm going back on Bleacher Report and to say this, I am doing a stream with them later today. Quite possibly this video may get published after that stream is done, but they leave their streams up for a few days. So if you have the Bleacher Report app and you want to check it out, by all means, feel free. But I felt it was important to you know, or for you to know, that I am going to go do a Bleacher Report live stream again because originally I didn't really fault them for how poorly things went based upon the response of the first one. It wasn't really their fault that secondary sites took things and ran with it. But also because I kind of put some limitations on with them. You know, when we were talking about what should the topic be, I said it needs to be fact-based, needs to be news-based, it needs to reflect what I do here on Lombardi Time Brews. And since they were tremendously agreeable to that, and since, to be totally frank and transparent, I do get some financial compensation from them, and that helps me do, you know, upgrades and stuff around here for our YouTube channel... I thought I'd give it another shot, at least one more. So we put quickly put together this live stream that is going to air on June 7th. Uh, like I said, you're probably going to catch the replay if you're learning about it from this video. Uh, but we're going to be talking about positional battles. things Something that I've already covered here on the YouTube channel. So don't worry, y'all. This is still very much my preference. Still very much where I want to be. But uh, a guest spot elsewhere can help grow this channel as well as, you know, throw me a little bit of support uh, along the way. So, if you want to check it out, by all means, it'll be available in the Bleacher Report app. Now, enough about that, enough about my stuff. Let's get back to the Green Bay Packers. I have a few different weaknesses for you here, but number one, I know some people are vehemently going to agree with this number one run defense. Yeah, the Green Bay Packers can't do it to save their gosh darn lives, right? In 2022, the Green Bay Packers run defense faced 479 rushing attempts, where they gave up 2,372 yards. That is good for 139.5 yards per game. It's 26th in the NFL. That also is good for 5 yards per carry. Bottom 5 in the NFL. 5 yards per carry. Now, you may be thinking, run defense isn't that big of a deal in the modern NFL. 
And in some ways, you're right. You can get, you can win a lot of games being bad at run defense. In fact, we've seen the Packers do it. But we know that the Green Bay Packers defense is predicated on having, you know, a few different things work in their favor. One would be turnovers. If you're not getting those turnovers, Packers defense is in trouble. Two would be not allowing the large pass play. That's philosophically how they're set up. But then three, having a, a devastating pass rush. And, you know, they got to get the offense in third and long or so for that pass rush to really take a factor for anything for the defense to really work. And it's really tough to get the offense in third and long when you automatically give them second and five. I mean, that's what five yards per carry means, right? Like if they run it on first and ten, the likelihood, the average, is that you're going to wind up with second and five. And I just don't see that being a successful means for a defense to operate now. Of course, they can still win games, just like I said. But maybe they should get a little better at this in order to win some games. So now the natural question is, have they gotten better at it? What have they done this offseason? Have they worked to improve it? Coach Jerry Montgomery, the defensive line coach and run game coordinator for the defense, has said it's a mindset. You just you got to be more aggressive. You got to push rather than get pulled back all these different things right and players have accordingly responded in otas from what we've heard granted otas aren't exactly full tackling or anything but the packers are obviously trying to put some kind of priority on this but from a personnel standpoint what have they done well defensive line is of course your first line of defense against the run and we have two new starters there out is dean lowry out is jerron reed in is two younger players tj slayton and Devonte wyatt you know, looking at last year's numbers, and I'm using PFF. I know PFS isn't perfect, but I reference it a lot. It is still a good metric, still good information. Dean Lowry had 285 running defense snaps last year, and he had a grade on there of 56.7. Com- comp that against Devontae Wyatt, who had 113 snaps and a grade of 60.9. Okay, now let's look at Jerron Reed and TJ Slayton. Well, Jerron Reed had 310 rushing defense snaps with a grade of 59.1. TJ Slayton, 199 with a grade of 61.9. So marginal improvements, couple points here and there. And then, of course, really, like Lowry and Reed are gone. In come rookies, Kobe Wooden and Carl Brooks, who both did do some nice things against the run in college. But are we ready to say that they are the definitive answer as rookies to the Packers run defense problems? No, of course not. And as I mentioned earlier, these are not new things, right? The Packers have been bad at run defense for a long time. You want to go find the last time that the Packers, in terms of raw numbers, had a top 10 run defense? You're scrolling back to 2016. Seven years. It is time for the Packers to address this issue. Moving on to weakness number two happens to be something that kind of goes hand in hand with number one, missed tackles. In 2021, the Packers were a very good tackling team. And when Joe Barry was first hired, that was one of his hallmarks, right? Joe Barry partly got the job because he had done great work with inside linebackers and really emphasized tackling when he first came on. Remember the infamous, like, he tackled himself in a meeting room when discussing philosophy with the defense and everything. Well, okay, so 2021, that worked great. Per PFF's grades, at least, they were number two in the NFL in tackling behind only the Philadelphia Eagles. And in that year, they had seven meaningful contributors have a missed tackle rate of over 10%. Now, that's that's the bad side, right? You want that missed tackle rate really low. So they only had seven guys over 10% that played meaningful snaps in 2021. In 2022, that number grew 
a lot. It grew to 10, which I know doesn't sound like a ton, but some of the names on there are highly troubling. To compare 2021 to 2022 again, 2021, some of the best tacklers on that team are no longer on the Packers. And I'm talking Adrian Amos, Dean Lowry had a great year tackling in 2021. Kingsley Kiki, who didn't even live to see the end, or I should say, like, was rostered, live is a little extreme, was rostered to the end of the year. Still, some of your best tacklers out the door. And what you've been left with is more players who missed more tackles last year. And here's the overall list. This is the 10 guys who played meaningful snaps last year for the Green Bay Packers that had missed tackle rates of over 10%. Here's the list. Preston Smith, Darnell Savage, Rashawn Gary, Eric Stokes, Keyshawn Nixon, TJ Slayton, Rudy Ford, Kingsley Enigbare, Quay Walker, and Devondre Campbell. Like, that's basically the starting defense, right? In a lot of different ways. Like, listen to those names again. Preston, Darnell, Rashawn, Eric, Keyshawn, TJ Slayton, Rudy Ford, Kingsley Enigbare, Quay Walker, Devondre Campbell. Those are so many of your starters. And so many of them regressed. I mean, Devondre Campbell went from a missed tackle percentage of like two when he was an All-Pro in 2021 to now over 10% in 2022. And we know just from watching the games, Devondre Campbell was not the same guy in 22 that he was in 21, right? But how about even Rashawn Gary before he went down with his ACL injury in week nine? Throughout the first portion of the season, his missed tackle rate basically doubled last year. Preston Smith had a career high missed tackle rate over 20%. So I'm not sure when there's this many guys on your defensive roster who have tackle rates over 10% or missed tackle rates that you can say that you're bound to be a good tackling defense, especially considering that some of these players are in line for more playing time this year. Could very well be Rudy Ford. Keyshawn Nixon might get more snaps. TJ Slayton almost certainly will get more snaps. So what needs to happen ultimately is from the coordinator side, from the coaching side, from the player side, because this is on them. Maybe Montgomery was right. Maybe it is a mindset, except maybe it doesn't apply just to run defense. Maybe it just applies to tackling as well. And they have made a couple of personnel moves that may help address this. I mean, we've covered how Jonathan Owens is one of the finest tackling safeties in the NFL last year. Well, he stands in line. Like he is in the competition to get a starting safety job. Could help, right? A few of the rookies that they brought in have had very good collegiate track records of being strong tacklers. So, maybe that'll help as well. But still, if you're asking me to look at this team, say, what is a weakness? Let's take a look at the status quo. Let's assume similar things year over year, right? Until we see otherwise. This is not a good tackling unit yet. Weakness number three, and I don't need to go on and on about this one a ton because we know, but overall, just the position, safety. Yeah, there seems to be one guy guaranteed a starting job at the safety position right now, and he happens to be a guy who lost the job halfway through the year last year. That is now your A number one bona fide guaranteed starter week one at the safety position. The other spot is guys who didn't play a ton last year, guys who are external ads or, or Rudy Ford in this particular case for the Packers. So safety, ultimately, I'm not going to spend a ton of time on this because it could be a mess. Now, I think that the Packers safety position is going to be better than a lot of people do. I think the addition of Jonathan Owens was incredibly strong. 
Rudy Ford, I know I put him in my may not match last year's numbers video, but he still was a very necessary spark plug last year. Or how about Tavarius Moore, who Matt LaFleur in OTAs has talked about flashing in the good way and even coming up with an interception in yesterday's practice as well. My real concern with the safety position, like to really get down to it, is I'm kind of afraid the Packers, who have had this tendency over the last couple of years, are going to do it again, to overthink, to over-rotate, and not just let go guys play. I mean, look at the offensive line, right? They've got the history of versatility is king, and that means we can march out the best five at any position at any time, right? And then they mess with something in the playoffs, and we wind up going down. My hope for the safety position is that ultimately, at the end of the day, Darnell Savage, first off, fixes his game, returns to 2020 form, but then also finds an actual running mate for the year. And these other players are used in special packages, but everyone has their role and they stay put. I think too much moving of guys, especially when you're on the back end of communication or you're the one calling the communication and the coverages, is just asking for really, really dangerous pass defense to occur, especially when your entire defense is philosophically established to stop the large pass. Number four, flipping it over to the offensive side of the ball. We're going to talk about quarterback depth. Look, I don't consider Jordan Love to be a weakness of the Green Bay Packers, but let's still acknowledge that the man last year played like 26 snaps in the regular season. And the year before that, he played more snaps, but they weren't exactly inspiring against the Kansas City Chiefs, even though he he did outplay Patrick Mahomes. I'm going to just, just throw that in there. But still, hey, guy played like 26 snaps last year. And now he's being handed the reins to the franchise. And I don't think that that's a bad move at all. But the current plan to back him up happens to be rookie Sean Clifford and Danny Etling. And that's it. Like, they don't even have a fourth quarterback. They don't have another training camp arm. And Brian Gutekunst has talked about we're not even going to add anyone until we get into camp and see if we need to. Because maybe Clifford or Etling can capably take over and win the number two quarterback job. But still, we are one twisted ankle, one bent finger, one wrong hit to Jordan Love away from Danny Etling or Sean Clifford starting games for the Green Bay Packers. It's at least concerning, isn't it? And like I've said, I feel like I know why the Packers picked Sean Clifford, and I don't think it has that much to do with his arm. I think it has a lot to do with the fact that he's incredibly intelligent. He's been a great leader. He's been a captain the last six years of his life, no matter where he's been. But it's still a weakness to say that these are your backups. And even if they are incredibly smart, even if they're much wiser than their age, Sean Clifford has not played in the NFL. Danny Antling's been around, but he also hasn't played much either. And they're the guys who are offering tutelage to your young franchise quarterback. Now, they may not go get some great veteran, but still, you know, the days are gone. We're trying to get away from all of this quarterback worship, right? Where it's Rodgers and company. They're trying to return to, or like it was, used to be, right? A slight sidetrack here with Favre and company. It's like the Packers' way. And some of that just happens when you have this savior quarterback, right? But Packers are trying to return to being the complete, the rounded football team of the Green Bay Packers. And it just feels a little 
uninspiring because it used to be, hey, we don't really have to have a backup for Rodgers because if he goes down, the season is tanked anyway. They seem to be instilling the same kind of thing with Jordan Love. If Love goes down, the season's tanked anyway. Well, I mean, there are some things you could do to help that out, right? This is definitely a weakness. And then last, weakness number five. Just take a look at the offense. This is a great, great thing. It's also a weakness. And I talked about it in the strengths, the athleticism, the youth. Youth is a weakness, too. I think we all can acknowledge that being young is both wonderful and terrible all at the same time. And it's no different on the football field. Let me just rattle off the starting ages of the Packers' presumed starting offense. 31, 27, 24, 25, 24, 24, 23, 23, 24, 28. Holy Lord, that is a young group, right? And with that is going to come mental errors or reading a defense wrong. Or like what happened in OTAs yesterday, Jordan Love had a very good practice like throughout the day from everything that I read. But then at the end of the day, just kind of made a, an effort throw across the middle of the field, right? He just kind of got back, no one was open, and then he just slung it, said, screw it, and just chucked it across the middle field, and it was picked. I hate to tell you, but that's going to happen sometimes in the regular season, too. And it's going to happen where even Christian Watson, the budding superstar to be, or Romeo Dobbs has got all the chemistry in the world from Jordan Love that we keep on hearing about from OTAs. They're going to mess up. They're going to run the wrong route. They're going to run the wrong way. They're going to drop passes. We're going to watch replays and we're going to say, Love, what you doing? Throw it to the guy who's open. Now, I mean, less like we did with the old quarterback, but still. Truth is, they're going to make mistakes. And look at the tight end position. Historically, the tight end position is rough on rookies. They have so much to learn. They got to learn about the blocking assignments in the run game. They got to learn their route tree. They got to get in with the quarterback. Tight end is one of the hardest positions to play for a rookie. And we're putting a whole lot of eggs in the basket that is Luke Musgrave and Tucker Craft. So, is it exciting? Absolutely. Is it a weakness? We'd be naive to say it's not to some degree. Hope you're having a great Wednesday, folks. I'll be back on Friday. May have to be on location elsewhere. I'll explain all that on Friday. But I'll be back on Friday. Until then, have an absolutely wonderful day. And as always, Go Pack Go!